0: Thank you. So let's talk about people today. Let's talk about connections, because you and I were made to connect with people. We draw life from that, and we were made to be shaped by people. When you think about uh, spiritual influences that form characters, that renovate the heart, that happens through relationships, through people more than any other way. So today, real, real simple, you could just use a little acronym, AIM, when you think about how to connect with people today. Be authentic, Um, Just truthful, real, alive. There's nothing worse than when people are operating on autopilot. And I know that feeling really, really well. Be intentional. Today, look for opportunities to connect, to talk with people, to disclose, to tell something that's going on, to notice, to celebrate, to mourn with somebody. Doesn't have to be elaborate. Uh, Connections are built mostly on small gestures. And then... uh, Uh, make it meaningful. That's the end. Authentic, intentional, meaningful. Nance and I were with a couple of really good friends at a restaurant last week, and the person who was serving us, every time anybody ordered anything, their response would be brilliant, perfect, just right, delightful. It's like, do you really think we need someone to affirm the fact that we are going to eat clams? It's like, (laughs) you know, just be real. Just be human. Make it a meaningful interaction. We are formed, we are shaped by connections with people. And so, on page 233 in Renovation of the Heart, we're we're coming near the end now. This is the last big chapter in Dallas Willard's book. And he talks about spiritual formation in the local congregation. So, church is the subject of so much conversation today. Lots of challenges, lots of questions. Here's what Dallas writes. If what we have said about the spiritual formation of the Children of Light, that is, the kind of people that God calls us to be, is true, what would we expect to find in those gatherings of disciples of Jesus into local congregations, which we call churches? Of the actual churches around us, what would they do better to omit, and what do they need more of? A reasonable response might be, that these local congregations would be entirely devoted to the spiritual formation of those in attendance, to the renovation of the heart. This seems to have been Paul's idea, and he more than any other was given the role of defining the church, this new thing on earth, this uh, non-ethnic people of God, here, there was to be no Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ in all, and uh, Christ is all and in, in all. Identification with Christ and the emerging community of Christ obliterated all other identities. Not by negation, but uh, by its new and positive reality. So the idea here is that now there's a new community that's being formed. And I don't wait for the right kind of people to come into my life. This is not a community built on affinity where we have common interests or similar backgrounds. I don't wait for somebody who's beautiful enough or smart enough or um, strong enough or high status enough. I just look for connecting with people one person at a time. And that is partly why we're such a Motley community. Dallas goes on. Of course, this still leaves room for some pretty weak and needy people and some distressing events in the process. But no room for doubt concerning where it will all come out. The local groups of disciples, in the usual case, will certainly have people at all stages of the journey. They can be compared to hospitals, with people at various stages of recovery and progress towards health. Some will be undergoing radical surgery or strong treatment. Some will be in ICU. Others will be taking wobbly steps. Others will be showing the flush of health and steady strength as they get ready to resume their life. But all of us are on this road. We are a hospital with people in every imaginable kind of spiritual condition. But it is when we meet with, connect with, learn to love each other, that we begin to be formed, and God uses the people in my life and your life to shape us. This is a very different way of looking at relationships and the people. I was reading an author, Melissa Kirch, recently, who was saying part of what's happened with COVID and increased isolation is uh, an increased uh, uh, inability to deal with uncomfortable situations. Now how does God enable us to get better at that? Well He sends us people that we would be uncomfortable in being around. The only way to become a person with a larger comfort zone is being willing to enter into discomfort. But we don't do that when we think of other people as beings who are just there to enrich us. I was reading another article this week and it posed the question, uh, how many people do you, how many friends do you need to stave off loneliness? And, of course, that's the wrong way to approach the question because a friend is not a loneliness management unit. A friend is somebody that I seek to pour myself into, that I try to connect with so that I, in turn, can be shaped by them, no matter who they are and whether I find myself incredibly comfortable or actually quite uncomfortable when I'm around them. So, here's four questions that you might think of as you walk through the day And ask yourself, who are the people that I would most likely uh, like to be shaped by? And this is from uh, an author named Anna Akbari. Four different questions. The, The first one is, who do I learn from? Who's somebody that when I'm around them, I find my mind and my spirit growing? I think of Max many years ago. Somebody who himself was a constant learner. And he had done all kinds of stuff so that if there was anybody where it seemed like he could just coast in life, it would have been Max. But instead, I noticed when we were at meetings together, he would always have these um, uh, index cards in his suit pocket, and he would constantly be taking them out to write down thoughts, to write ideas. And one time when I was talking to him about this idea of growth, he said that he had realized how much he needed other people to help teach him, mentor him, coach him, prompt him. And so he was quite intentional about this. He actually formed a small group. He talked about how because nowadays we're often separated geographically from people that we would like to be friends with or like to have influence in our lives. He formed what he called a secretariat. And he asked three different people if they would be willing to have a conversation with him at least once a month where he could pose them questions about important aspects of his own personal well-being, his relationships, his family, his work. And uh, so that became a very significant idea for me. And he became one of those people for me. I formed a little secretariat and up until he died, he was one of those folks. Then a second question is, who challenges me? Now, this is where actually we do need friends who will make us uncomfortable. One of the words that Paul uses characteristically in the New Testament is that we're not only to encourage one another and love one another and comfort one another, we are to admonish one another. And a great friend will do that. Ignatius of Loyola has a word, magis, I guess is the Latin word, that in in circles influenced by him gets talked about a lot. And the idea behind it is more. To always long for more. Not in a greedy way, more money or more pleasure. But as I'm making decisions in life to ask myself, what will bring more glory to God? What will bring more love or more flourishing or more joy to the people around me? And this relentless non-paralyzing, non-exhausting pursuit of more. I think of my friend Pat. And I don't even get to spend all that much time around Pat. I don't know him super well. But every time I am, there's just this challenge. How could you learn more? How could you do more? Again, not in a paralyzing or a neurotic way, just a drive to derive everything that I can out of life and give what I'm able to. I think it's being challenged that's one of the qualities that really drew me to my wife, Nancy. And I can remember quite a few years ago, she was talking with me and I was going through kind of a difficult time of life. And she said, man, uh, you know, when you are at your best, you are relaxed, you are alive, you are joyful, you are learning, Uh, you bring life to other people. And I need that guy, I miss that guy. And I said, well, I do too. But uh, you got to understand, this is a difficult, stressful season of life, and I'm doing the best I can. Now, normally when you say, I'm doing the best I can, the other person just receives it. Of course, that's the unanswerable statement, I understand. But she challenged me, no, I don't think you're doing the best you can at all. I think there's lots of steps that you could be taking. You could be seeing a counselor to deal with all this kind of stuff. You could be getting a life coach. You could form a little group to read and study and talk about some of the challenges of life and go to work on it that way. I don't think you're doing the best you can at all. And she was right. It took me a little while, being Scandinavian, to acknowledge that she was right. But uh, to have a friend in my life who challenges me, that doesn't just accept those kind of surface answers, what a great gift that is. And then uh, third question is, whom can I confide in? And now here it needs to be somebody where I have a high level of trust And the character is good, they won't hurt me with it. If you confide in the wrong person, it can be very dangerous. Um, And there's somebody uh, who, when I tell them the secrets of my soul, will love me and uh, help give me guidance. And then the fourth question, who do I find joy with? I had a Zoom conversation a couple weeks ago with Nancy and Freddie and Doug. And we used to all live together back in Chicago, and we haven't gotten together like that for a long time. And there was just so much joy. And then Doug, hello Doug, sent me a really goofy joke about a man that walked into a bar with a frog on his head. And I won't finish it except to say, I just laughed because it was just Doug. So think about those questions today. Who do I learn from, uh, who challenges me, Who can I confide in? Who brings me joy? And then just small steps. Text somebody today. Send them a photo. Send them a song. Send them an interesting article. Call somebody up. Connect. We're made for connection. We're formed by connection. This is the day to connect. I'll connect with you next time.